fresh every Tuesday for MSPs around the world. This is Paul Green's MSP Marketing Podcast. Hello, and here we are at episode one, two, three of the podcast. Here's what we got coming up for you in this week's show. You know, if you were to get 10% of that, or even 1%, you're looking at a decent return. We're going to show you how to eliminate horrible chasing LinkedIn messages and replace them with LinkedIn advertising. That's Mark Firth. He is a lead generation expert working with lots of service providers, including many MSPs. He's going to be here later on in the show talking about how to generate more leads for your business. Mark's also in our extended interview this week on YouTube, which I'll tell you about later as well. We're also going to be finishing off a marketing series this week. Over the last four or five episodes, we've been putting together a one-page marketing plan for you. This week, we're going to talk about the different channels you should use to generate leads. Paul Green's MSP Marketing Podcast. Summer last year, my daughter did something very stupid. She was on a swing with a friend, you know, they were swinging together and they decided to have a little competition to see how far they could jump from the the sort of the apex, the top of the swing. Now, this was a big swing. This wasn't some little kiddie swing. This was a great big adult swing. So my daughter at, at the top of that apex was probably around about 10 foot off the ground. And that was the point at which she jumped off and she did really well. I mean, she she went really far. It was kind of a wee moment. And when she landed on her wrist, it snapped in two or three different places, which was a pretty dumb thing to do. And of course, being a, what was she at the time? She was 10 at the time. Being a 10 year old, she tried to hide that injury, but because I wasn't there at the time, I was somewhere else and she was on a play date with a friend. But when the mum saw sort of how her, her wrist and her hand were at a slightly weird angle and there was something sort of poking up into the skin, plus of course the distress on her face, it was straight down to hospital for her. And I met them there at hospital and they went to what we in the UK call A&E. So it's accident and emergency. It's the same as the emergency room in the US. And of course, just like any emergency room, when you go in, you initially go through something called triage. And triage is the process where they figure out which patients need to be seen most urgently. Because someone who's had a heart attack or has you know, unfortunately been quite badly injured in a car crash or something like that, of course, they should have have more urgent medical attention and have more resources put into them faster than should my daughter with her stupidity injury or someone who's just come in with, you know, a a bleed or something like that. So you probably have this if you've ever been to an emergency room near you, the, the first thing is you go through triage and almost the longer you have to wait, the less serious your injury. In in a way, it's it's kind of how it works like that, isn't it? Well, you probably do the same thing for tickets when they come in or when someone calls up and there's a problem. I'm sure you ask them questions like, is this affecting just you? Or is this affecting everyone in the business? You know, is this stopping you from doing your work or is it just annoying you or slowing you down? These are your equivalent of the triage questions. Now, a few MSPs that I've worked with over the years have actually employed someone specifically to do that triage and then to dispatch the work, essentially to plan how urgent that work is and who's going to do it. And this role is known as a dispatcher role. So all of the tickets, 
bits and all of the phone calls come in to this dispatcher and they ask the standard questions and they essentially try to ascertain how urgent is this do we need to throw all of our resources on this quickly or can it be scheduled for later on and of course they're monitoring other things that are being fixed right now other problems that are being dealt with it's quite an exciting job actually isn't it you're you're coordinating things and you're making things happen based on how urgent they are i'd like to do a job like that that utterly ticks every box in my skill set that does now your business may not be big enough to have a dispatcher but at the point it is or even if you just have a member of your team who's particularly good at doing that kind of planning to me a dispatching role isn't just an advantage for you from a service desk point of view it can be a great marketing advantage as well because you've got to remember that one of the core purposes of the dispatcher is to communicate really well with the person who's got a problem someone rings up because they can't print a document right now to you that's a fairly low level problem right it's something that's going to be a bit of a pain to fix might take 10 20 minutes and actually you've got this urgent crisis over here at this other business you're supporting and you need to get that fixed first but here's the thing to the person that can't print that document if that's the end of the job that they're currently doing that finishes off that task that's a really big deal to them it's a bigger deal in their head than it actually is in real life and this is where the marketing power of the dispatcher comes in because the dispatcher's role here is not just to triage the problem and ascertain how urgently it needs to be fixed but also to communicate back to the client really clearly when this can be fixed you know if it's something that genuinely as a business you're just not able to look at it for the next three to four hours then the dispatcher has to placate your client they need to be able to empathize with them while at the same time explaining to them that a slightly broken printer unfortunately isn't a priority so he's going to have to wait a couple of hours and you'll have different ways to do this within your business different uh, phrases that you use different ways of doing it but the key word that I used earlier was empathy empathizing always looking at things from the other person's point of view and I think this is one of the most important things for a dispatcher in fact the greatest dispatchers in the world are the ones not just in hospital emergency rooms but are the ones that you phone in emergencies I had to call 999 here in the UK back at the end of last year so 999 is our equivalent of 911 it's the emergency line that you call and I needed to get the police to something don't worry everything is fine don't worry about what it was uh, but the person that I was speaking to on the end of the phone was essentially a dispatcher and at that moment at that exact moment in my mind this was the greatest priority getting the police out to deal with this incident whereas of course I had no idea what else the police force was doing they could have been dealing with 10 or 20 other things the dispatcher I spoke to was of course aware of what resource they'd got and how long it would take to get the police out to that incident but they were great they were so reassuring they were asking me questions you know they were talking about well essentially they were empathizing they were empathizing with me they were putting themselves into the situation that i was in that empathy helped me feel as though they were doing the very best they could you know they said to me we have finite resources we are helping with other emergencies right now uh, let's set some expectations of what we can do to help uh, you know it was right down to how about I phone you back in the next half an hour to check how things are going because obviously it wasn't a, a massive priority for them to actually get people out to get the police out to us at that point but this is the cool thing that dispatcher made me feel as though my problem had been 
acknowledged properly and someone was going to do something about it as soon as they could. And I think that's the goal of your dispatcher. Your dispatcher, I mean, it's a unique role. And I would argue it's it's almost not a technician's role. We'll talk about recruitment in a second. That unique role is someone who is good at coordinating resources, which is very much a brain task, isn't it? But it's also someone who has the ability to empathize with someone else and to talk to them at their emotional level. And that is an incredibly, incredibly difficult thing to teach. This is why I don't think this is a technician's role. I think the dispatcher role, it's more of a customer service role, really. You want someone who is uniquely placed to empathize and to be warm and friendly and to understand people's frustrations when they're talking on the phone. Because the number one job that that dispatcher can do from a marketing point of view and a marketing retention point of view is to empathize with them and to make them feel as though someone somewhere cares about their problem and is going to do something about it. Even though they know, looking at the resources in front of them, that it's going to be two to three hours before a technician even gets anywhere near it. Can you see how exciting that dispatcher role would be? I mean, because it's not really a technical role, even if your business is too small right now to have a full-time dispatcher, is there an advantage to you, maybe with your next hire, perhaps making your next level one technician someone who is essentially going to be a dispatcher? So yeah, they're a level one technician and they can deal with small stuff on the phone there and then. But what if you hire them primarily for those empathy skills, for their ability to warmly communicate with the clients and to make them feel as though someone cares about their problem. It's certainly worth thinking about the next time that you have a level one vacancy. Here's this week's clever idea. So we are in the fifth and final week of a small series we've been running here on the podcast, and it's about pulling together a one-page marketing plan for your MSP. We started five weeks ago helping you to understand your market and the competitors that you are up against. Then we looked at understanding your client, how to pick a niche, a niche, or a vertical and essentially make your audience smaller because it's easier and more powerful to get a very consistent, targeted message to a smaller group of people. And then last week, we looked at pretty much the most important part of your one-page marketing plan, which is developing a marketing message. It's the final week today, and we're looking at the mediums. So you remember last week, I talked about the marketing triangle, the three sides of the triangle, message, market, medium. You've got to get the right message to the right market using the correct medium. And I'll tell you what the mediums are, what the channels are that you should be using to talk to your target market. Number one is LinkedIn. That is the must-use social media platform for B2B businesses right now. And I can't see that changing for a number of years. It is, of course, your website. And your website in itself isn't a channel. It's a communication device. It's an engagement device. But the channels you can use to get traffic to it include LinkedIn. They include other social social media platforms. They include, of course, Google. In fact, Google is probably your greatest source of traffic to your website. Maybe you will invest in some search engine optimization, some SEO to drive traffic to your website. Maybe you'll invest in original content to try and drive organic traffic, but your website absolutely is a big marketing channel for you. Those are the two most basic ones, being on LinkedIn and making sure that you're actively driving traffic to your websites. They're 
two of the, well, I would say the two most important marketing mediums for MSPs in 2022. But there are lots and lots of other ones. For example, media coverage, good old fashioned media coverage in newspapers, radio stations, magazines, local TV stations. You can achieve that by sending out press releases or just building relationships with journalists and presenters and producers and pitching your story ideas to them. What about seminars? What about talks? What about presentations, webinars? You can put these on and you can promote them. There are lots of different platforms to do them. You could do your own. You could do joint venture ones with partners. You can leverage other people's audiences using some of these tactics. These are smart distribution channels for your marketing message. I think trade shows are worth looking at. Any kind of event where you go out and there is your audience. Maybe you'd exhibit or maybe you'd just go and hang out there with your potential future clients. And of course, networking. You know, I'm a big fan of using BNI and other networking groups to grow your MSP because it just cuts straight through. Yes, it's a cash and time investment, but if you pick the right group, you can really get a lot out of it. Then you've got things such as telephone. The telephone is an amazing distribution channel for your marketing message. It's difficult to do. It's really hard to find the right person to make outbound calls for you. It's difficult to know who they should call. It's difficult to get it right of what they should say. But the fact that it's difficult means that most MSPs don't do it. And when most MSPs aren't doing something, well, actually, that means you should do it because it's an opportunity. MSPs, well, the MSPs I work with who pick up the phone a lot and make a lot of outbound calls typically have more conversations with more prospects, which lead to more sales meetings and more new clients. The phone is difficult, but it is a potential channel for you. Then you've got things like email marketing. Email marketing, you should be building a database of people who are willing to receive your emails and then send them out educational content. In fact, send them out educational and entertaining content. We call this edutainment. And you can get ideas for marketing content from our service, MSP Marketing Edge. If you go to mspmarketingedge.com. Other things you could do is you could send out stuff in the post, direct mail. You could send out postcards or sales letters. Or of course, there are other digital distribution platforms. You're listening to a podcast right now. Could you do a podcast for your audience? If you're just in a geographical area, you might struggle to get traction on a podcast. But if you serve any kind of vertical or niche or niche, a podcast can be a very smart way to reach people. And the same with a YouTube channel. YouTube is difficult work to do. It's exactly the same as the podcast. In fact, I'd argue it's even more difficult doing YouTube content. And both of these platforms, you're going to have to do a lot of work on a regular basis until it pays off. But it will pay off. If you turn up consistently, and you put out high quality content consistently and persistently, both of these will pay off. Eventually, people will start talking to you about it. I mean, this podcast is one of the biggest drivers of new MSPs into our business. I've been doing this over two years. The first six months, it was like no one was listening. It really was. I feel like I could have said anything in those early episodes and no one would have noticed. But actually what happened is there was a small audience and that small audience built over time and they told 
told their peers and word started to spread. And now, you know, we have a podcast that two years on, it's got such momentum. It's absolutely beautiful. You wouldn't stop me. In fact, you couldn't stop me from doing this podcast because it's got massive amounts of momentum. But we had to get through that first six months where it felt like there was no return on it at all. And you know, it'll be exactly the same with YouTube. We're just beefing up our YouTube channel right now with things like our show about this show called Another Bite and our extended interviews that we're doing with guests off this podcast. And it's going to take, I don't know, three, six, maybe nine months to start to see a return from that YouTube investment. And that's okay because I know that's going to come one day. The trick for you with your MSP is to keep going consistently and persistently long enough to actually start to see that return. So those are pretty much the main distribution channels for your marketing message. If you go back now over the last five weeks of this podcast, you should be able to pull together a one-page marketing plan for your MSP. The trick really is to keep it very, very simple. You don't want a page that's absolutely crammed with text and diagrams and complicated stuff. You want something very, very simple, a simple sheet of paper. Here it is a sheet of paper that you can look at. In fact, you can keep it on your desk and you can keep looking at it and it will remind you of the most important things that you need to do to drive new leads into your MSP. Now, listen, what we've been doing over the last five weeks is a bit of an experiment for us. We've not really done a series like that on the podcast before. So have you found this useful? Has this been helpful for you? Or be honest with me, is this something that you've kind of skipped over to get onto the next part of the podcast? Will you let me know? I always love getting your feedback. My email address is hello at paulgreensmspmarketing.com and I will reply to every single email that I get, whether it's good news or or bad news. Hello at paulgreensmspmarketing.com. Paul's blatant plug. So I briefly mentioned the MSP Marketing Edge back then. This is our primary service. All of my effort and attention when I'm not doing things like the podcast, it goes into helping our 600 plus members of this service. They're all over the world. And what's unique about this is we only sell it to one MSP per area. That is a very, very strict rule for us. So it's all the marketing tools and content that you need to generate leads for your business. It's just £99 a month if you're in the UK or $129 US dollars a month anywhere else in the world. And your first month is free so you can try it out completely risk-free. In fact, the beauty is there's also no contract and you can cancel any time. The first thing to do then is to go and see whether or not a competitor in your area has beaten you to your area. Go on to mspmarketingedge.com. You can click on either the UK, US or Canada sites, enter in your postcode or your zip code to see if your area is still available. And if you're anywhere else in the world, we're in about 20 plus countries, I think. So you just have to drop us an email and we'll email you straight back and let you know if your area is available. It's all at mspmarketingedge.com. The Big Interview. Hello, everybody. My name is Mark Firth from High Profit Consulting. We help manage service companies, professional services companies, and consulting businesses to raise their prices and generate more inbound leads so they don't have to chase clients on LinkedIn. 
<laughs> tick, tick, tick. You tick all the boxes there, Mark. But what I want to specifically talk to you about today is LinkedIn advertising. And I, I am going to pick your yeah. brains just in general about LinkedIn, because I know a lot of the rules have changed over the last four or five months yeah. or so. But let's talk about LinkedIn adverts. I have a confession to make. And yep. I, I don't mind going on record, putting my hands up to this and admitting it. I struggle. And bearing in mind, I, I'm in a B2B space, the same yeah. as the MSPs that I work with. I have really struggled in the last couple of years to make LinkedIn ads work for us. So we, yeah. we struggle to get the ads in front of the right people. So we struggle yep. with targeting. We struggle mm-hmm. to get them to click them. We, we struggle to, to get a return on investment for the money we spend. Is this a common problem? Do, do many businesses have this problem with LinkedIn? A lot of businesses have the problem. This problem with LinkedIn. And just before I, I, I jump into explaining why, could you just talk about you, you know, is it part of an overall strategy of of various traffic sources, or are you literally going from I've got some LinkedIn messages, LinkedIn content, and now I want to add paid ads onto it because that really makes a difference as to where I'm going to go with this. Am I getting a free consult here? <laughs> it just gives me the context because a lot of businesses, they're like sending some messages, they're posting some content and then like, I want to run ads and it doesn't work yeah. like that, you know? Yeah. So, so we're running um, at the risk of talking about our own business. We have a service called yeah. the MSP Marketing Edge. Yep. We're trying to reach MSPs around the world. And yeah, it's one of, one of many messages. So the marketing strategy I teach yep. MSPs, which I also use myself, is it's a three-step strategy, build multiple audiences, Build a relationship with those audiences Got it. and then commercialize that relationship. So so the reason a lot of people have an issue with LinkedIn ads is is quite simply because people don't spend enough time on the platform. Now you can Google all the statistics I'm about to say. Some of them vary. And don't worry, they're not going to be boring statistics. I'll bring them to life. But the long story short, the average LinkedIn user spends 28 minutes on the platform per week statistically. That's not even enough time for a cup of coffee to get cold. Whereas Facebook, the average user, you're talking over 12 hours, which is probably enough time to fly from San Francisco to London and clear passport control, even if there's a some sort of um, quote unquote, something in the world making travel a little bit more difficult, it's still possible. Now, what that means is when you talk about cold advertising on LinkedIn, it's very difficult to to get it going from the ground up because the advertising platforms, the pricing, the cost per lead, the cost, your reach is going to be dictated by supply and demand. And if LinkedIn doesn't have many people to go at because they're not spending much time on the platform, that spikes the pricing. And when you add into that, their platform is not that sophisticated compared to somebody like Facebook. That is why people have an issue with LinkedIn. Now, you're probably thinking, well, what do I do? So the first thing to do is instead of using LinkedIn for cold advertising, what are your traffic sources? A lot of MSPs and consulting companies that I talk to, I ask them, how many visitors do you get per month to your, you know, your WordPress website or your normal website? Don't know. Um, How many... Visitors read the average blog post. How much are you focusing on driving traffic from an asset you don't own, i.e. LinkedIn or social media, onto an asset you do own, i.e. your podcast? I don't know. Because the first thing they, that they should do is really understand how much traffic you're going. I think we had 200 last month. And that would, you know, we didn't put much up there. But let's say 200 leads per month, 200 people visiting your website. So times 12, that's 2,400 per year. My question is, if you were to remarket, which means just instead of targeting people you don't know, target people that already visited your website, do you believe in 12 months you could get one client from that, two clients, 
three clients from 2,400 visitors. Let's say 400 found you by mistake. That's still 2,000. Let's say 1,000 haven't got any money. That's still 1,000. You know, if you were to get 10% of that, or even 1%, you're looking at a decent return. So with LinkedIn ads, the, the, the thing is not to start with cold LinkedIn ads and jump from, from kind of messaging and, and, and content. It's to have a strategy of getting people onto your assets and then retargeting, building that list and then using that list as a base to inform LinkedIn to then go cold, low budget. Does that make sense? I don't want to go too technical. Yeah, that makes perfect sense. But could you could you explain, just because I, I never yeah. like to assume anyone listening understands yeah, yeah. anything we're talking about. Can you explain yeah. what you mean by remarketing, retargeting? Yeah, so so this is yes, a good question. So Facebook has called what's called a pixel. LinkedIn has what they call an insight tag. Here's an example. Who's looked for a sofa? As soon as you look at the sofa, your, your feed on any social media platform is covered with sofas. It's that thing where the adverts follow you around the web, isn't it? Yeah. It's, it's all you, basically, if you were to put that piece of, um, that pixel or that tag on your website, you can then tell the platform to send an advert to people that visited your website. And that's much cheaper and a much smarter way to get going than just trying to go for people that don't know you, because there's nothing more expensive than marketing to a cold audience, especially to get going on an ad platform, which doesn't help you anyway. Yeah, absolutely. So, so you're saying you should only really show the ads to your contacts. Is that what you're saying? To begin with, you should show it to people who are already displaying an intent. I, I call it active buyers. Some people call it an intent. But if we, again, if you, you know, basic marketing 101, only one to 3% of your market, depending on the statistics you look at, are actively looking to solve a problem, have awareness of that problem and in market to buy now. If they're going to a website to look at managed services, I mean, look, I love managed services. I started at Siemens, but it's not something people do for pleasure, is it? There's got to be a reason they go there, right? It's usually because something's broken. So it's a pretty good intent a pretty good way to measure buyer intent. So that's what I recommend to get going. Yeah, so it's either something's broken or they're deeply dissatisfied yeah. with their, their incumbent yeah. uh, MSP, exactly. IT support company, as they'd call it. So let's, let's go back to yeah. LinkedIn ads. This, this makes perfect sense. So, so yeah. to recap, you're saying target your, target your contacts first. So it's, it's a slightly warmer audience than the cold people you were targeting. Yeah. And then you drive them to your website. And in doing so, you gain the ability to then remarket to them. So once they visited your website, you can then follow them round, round the web with, with your own ads. And Ooh. presumably yeah. you're then pushing them towards that, that call to action. The call to action we always recommend is a, is a 15 minute video call. Just it's something that the very highest quality prospects will be quite happy to do. Mark, is, is that the kind of call to action I mean, that you would recommend? The best way we found it to work. And, and by the way, if you look on your Facebook feed, you'll see adverts from Harvard Business Review. You'll see adverts for executives to get promoted. You will see MSP marketers, marketing to MSP marketers consistently on Facebook. We actually run Facebook traffic and send them to a LinkedIn profile. That's it. And then you've got inbound connect messages and messages because we looked at it. And, and whilst my competition is saying, oh, LinkedIn, you, you know, the connection limits, there's so many more people on the platform, you just got to be personalized. No one has time to personalize messages. So just send them to your profile and then you've got inbound messages. If you're getting started, what, what you probably want to do is, is have something that's, that's almost foil proof. Like just, we get, I run, I run traffic right now and I get, 10 to 20 inbound connects every day to my LinkedIn profile. And they know who I am because they've seen me my ad. And, and then that's building the LinkedIn remarketing audience. So just so that this is in clear terms, if I do what lots of people that market to MS companies do, which is put an ad on Facebook, and then they go to my landing page, 
I can then retarget them on LinkedIn. So I'm building up a huge LinkedIn retargeting audience. I don't do many cold ads on LinkedIn. And I know you wanted me to talk about LinkedIn ads and how to get them working. It's to use it as retargeting in my mind. And that might sound quite left field, but that's what, we, that's what we've seen work. No, no, that's what we want. We want new ideas yeah. and new ways of, of tackling things. Yep. One of the biggest challenges for MSPs is the sheer size and length of the sales cycle. And you'll know this, Mark, because of your experience yeah. in, in this world. That is the problem. That is the problem. But the problem is caused by something else. And it's what I call a central heating problem. I, I've just moved to Florida, right? So I don't actually know. We don't have central heating, right? But central heating in the UK is, is you know, it's a central system to... to heat our house. And when do you call a central heating engineer? You call a central heating engineer once every two or three years in the winter. It's not an always on problem. It's not an evergreen problem. It's not a consistent problem. And that's that's the issue that a lot of MSPs have. They are marketing like central heating engineers. They're reliant on the client to think they want to leave. They're reliant on the window of renewal coming up. They're reliant to the client getting so, getting to the, you know, the tipping point. What they actually need to do is, is look at their offer and look at adding something to their portfolio that, that covers something that needs dealing with right now that's urgent and what I call a Monday morning problem. A Monday morning problem is the opposite of a central heating problem because every Monday, it's now Tuesday, if we're doing this, but yesterday, every MSP owner or sales director will have sat down and gone, oh my God, I can't believe I've got to do this this week. I don't want to be doing it. I need to get rid of this problem. That's what you need to be speaking to. And you may not have that capability. Well, add it because you've got a choice. Add it or get frustrated and wait for them to call you. And I know which one I'd do if I was running an MSP. And, and that's what we used to do, by the way, when we were selling um, MSP services, because I started in the UK 2003, Siemens Communications doing managed services. And I worked in the reseller channel and we would always have this thing in our back pocket to open the door rather than waiting for them to knock on the door. That's what I think it is. I think it's an offer problem. I don't think it's um, a waiting for the customer problem. So could you give us a specific example of what a Monday morning problem might look like? Well, it's going to completely depend on which niche you're doing with your, 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 your managed services. And it's going to completely depend what's the topic of the month. Security was a big one. GDPR was a big one at its time. Um, right now, it, it, remote working was. I mean, we used to do it with telecoms audits. I mean, that's 2003. So that's out of date now. It's going to completely depend on your business, your client, the size of business you're targeting, the nature of the services you do. But there's always that problem. There's always something they're dealing with that they want to get rid of. And there's always something there. Always. Mark, this is fascinating stuff. Now, you and I are going to continue this conversation yep. on our YouTube channel. We're going to do an extended interview, but just here for the podcast. And by the way, I'll tell you how to access that YouTube video later on in the show. Uh, but here for the podcast now, let's finish off. Just tell us uh, briefly a little bit about what kind of clients you work with, what you do, and how can we get in touch with you? We, we love and, and by love, I mean we only work with because they're, they're, they're where we get the results. We work with small businesses and individuals. Uh, I like to work up to about 15 people, one to 15 people, where people are looking to get to the point where they've got inbound leads coming in. Once we go bigger than that, we do work with businesses that are bigger than that, but they usually have the in-house in -house skills to do it. And we can also do that, but our sweet spot's one to 15. And what are your contact details, Mark? Go to Mark Firth online. That's M-A-R-K. Firth, as in Colin Firth, F-I-R-T-H, online.com. And I am fully aware I need to get a more phonetically friendly call to action. You can also go to www.clientsimpact.com forward slash training one. Paul Green's MSP Marketing Podcast. 
this week's recommended book. Hi, I'm Sam from Sheridan Computers, and the book that I'd like to recommend is The Five Dysfunctions of a Team by Patrick M. Lencioni. It's a great little book that tells the fictional story of a newly appointed CEO at a dysfunctioning tech company. She's tasked with getting the company back on track. It's all about leading and developing teams and how to work with your team to address common issues and to work to solve them. Coming up next week. Hey there, this is Jennifer Bleem, Cybersecurity Sherpa. I'll be here next week to talk about how you can simplify your cybersecurity sales process so you can close more deals easily and quickly and profitably. We're also going to look at how you make ongoing business decisions for your MSP. When you make a decision, are you doing it with the very long term in mind? And by the very long term, I mean one day you're going to want to sell that business. Is the decision you're making today going to help you to sell that business in three, five, seven, ten years' time? We'll explore exactly what that means next week. And we're also going to talk about LinkedIn creator tools. There's a huge opportunity on LinkedIn right now for you to get in front of more of your audience by using the creator tools. LinkedIn is desperate for you to use them. And next week, we're going to look at the big advantages for you and how you get started. Now, don't forget, we've got the extended interview with Mark Firth. That's going to be on YouTube. Plus, of course, our show about the show. It's called Another Bite, presented by my friend Sophie Law. And I'm a guest on there, of course. And that's going to be on YouTube later on this week. So you just go to youtube.com slash MSP Marketing. Wherever you listen to us and consume our content, whichever podcast platform, and certainly on YouTube, please do subscribe to us. We really appreciate it. And for this podcast, join me next Tuesday and have a very profitable week in your MSP. Made in the UK for MSPs around the world. Paul Green's MSP Marketing Podcast.